Today's scripture reading is Psalms 24. Psalm 24. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. And for those of you online, I'm so glad you're participating as well. So in 2019, the summer of 2019, my husband Brian and I had an invitation to travel to Croatia with my parents, bringing our, at that time, 12-month-old daughter along. Now, Brian and I have traveled quite a bit for work. We're seasoned travelers, and this opportunity, this was a, experience was an incredible opportunity, so we said yes. But to be honest, mostly what I remember about it is how utterly exhausted I was the whole time. Our daughter, Bea, was never a good sleeper. Without exaggeration, she did not sleep through the night once for the first two years of her life. And so, and so that summer, I had not slept through the night uh, for over a year. I was physically exhausted, and I was emotionally drained as well. I was still carrying a lot of unprocessed grief from the journey that we'd had to having a baby, and I felt spiritually dry. The spiritual rhythms that I'd relied on for years did not work in my post-baby life. Professionally, I felt run down from some really intense work projects, and big surprise, traveling overseas with time zone adjustments, and a one-year-old who wakes up several times during the night does not make any of this better. But this one morning, we got up early and we drove to one of Croatia's national parks, Plitvice Lakes. We parked in a big parking lot, <clears throat> boarded a shuttle, and got dropped off at a trailhead. I had no idea what was in store for us. I had never heard of this place before and I hadn't had any time to research it in advance. So we started walking. As I walked along the miles of trails and boardwalks that spanned a series of 14 lakes, 
I encountered one of the most beautiful natural settings I have ever experienced. Cascades of waterfalls poured out from canyon walls. Vibrant springs bubbled up from the porous ground. The water was crystal clear and there were vibrant shades of teal and emerald and blue. With every new lake, there was a new scene of waterfalls and rushing streams. Water was flowing abundantly everywhere you turned, around every corner, the sound of rushing, laughing, shouting water. And as I saw the dance of seemingly endless waterfalls and heard the joyful underground springs and felt the spray of mist on my arms and face, I felt overwhelmed with longing. The playful, extravagant, endless flow of water felt like the absolute opposite of my life in that moment. And as I took in this beautiful corner of creation with all my senses, I felt how deeply this captured what I longed for. Refreshment, nourishing hydration, restorative pools. That is what my weary body, mind, and soul longed for. This image here became for me my prayer of longing in a dry and exhausting season. I made this photo the background on my computer so I would see it every day, a reminder of my longing for God. I wonder today if you resonate with any of the sense of tiredness. Just pay attention to how you are and who you are as you come today. Where do you feel tired? Where do you feel tension or anxiety? What are you longing for these days? And how are you trying to fill your longing? In her book, Sacred Rhythms, Ruth Haley Barton writes, the spiritual life begins in the most unlikely place. It begins with longing that stirs way down deep, underneath the noise, the activity, the drivenness of our life. The stirring of spiritual desire indicates that God's spirit is already at work within us, drawing us to himself. If we want transformation inside of us, it has to start from a place of getting in touch with the vulnerability of longing for something that will truly satisfy our desire. Today, as we continue our sermon series, Soothing Psalms for the Soul, we're looking at Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is a psalm of longing for God. It is full of poetry and images that evoke a deep longing to be in God's temple, the place where God dwells, and the satisfying joy of finding home in God's hospitality. Psalm 84 is part of a collection of psalms attributed to the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were the descendants of Korah, who was a cousin of Moses, who died when he rebelled against the leadership of Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. But despite their ancestors' actions, the descendants of Korah went on to play a significant role in caring for the temple. Many of their psalms evoke the longing and joy of worship and, pre and presence in the house of God. So it's easy to imagine that this psalm was written from the heart of someone who has spent many days caring for the temple. Someone who, due to their life vocation, truly is most at home in this house of worship. But 
this psalm, of course, is written for community. It wasn't just written for them. It's not just an individual's expression of personal prayer. It's the community prayer book. And so here in Psalm 84, we find a psalm that gives voice to the reality of longing for God's temple, but it also serves as a primer. It teaches us how to long wholeheartedly for God. The psalm opens with a declaration. How lovely is the place where the Lord Almighty dwells. Although the temple was aesthetically beautiful, this is not what the psalmist is talking about. The Hebrew word for lovely here refers not to physical beauty, but to someone or something that is dearly beloved. It is the language of love poetry. How beloved and precious is the dwelling place of God. The psalmist is in fact consumed with longing, heart, soul, and body to be at the temple courts. Their soul yearns and faints. Their heart and their flesh cry out. We who are very far from the time and culture of temple worship might find this strange, but for generations, the Jewish people had longed to build this temple, to have a permanent dwelling place instead of a tent-like tabernacle, set aside a set-aside place where God was present in a palpable way, a fixed place where they could come and worship. But we see that this psalm is not actually so much a love song to the beloved temple, but to the living God who dwells there. They cry out for the living God, for the one who makes the temple lovely. In fact, the temple is beloved only in as much as it is the place where the living God is present, a place where one might find their place in God's presence. Even the sparrow, has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. In the spirit of a love poem, we see the psalmist expresses a sense of almost envy of anyone or anything that gets to be close to their beloved. It's like they're saying, oh, if only I could be a swallow and nest by your altar. And at the same time, knowing that the sparrow finds a home there, provides this hope that they too might find one. We see a picture of the generous hospitality of God's, of the Lord's dwelling. The smallest, most ordinary birds find a home for themselves in the house of the living God. And the swallow knows that she's in a place of shelter and security, a place safe to build a nest that will hold physically fragile eggs a protected place for vulnerable life to develop and grow. My friend and colleague, Betty Dickinson, painted this image this past winter as we were working on material for a retreat that involved Psalm 84. And I encourage you, if you want, to click on the QR code. And if you are interested, she has a, um, uh, an audio-guided meditation on the artwork if you want to go deeper with this art later. But for now, I invite you to gaze at this image of the swallow hovering with strength and care over its young, and to take in the vulnerability of life that is held in that nest. And just notice, what does this bring up for you? Is there a longing in you to be at home, to know a place that can hold the vulnerabilities of your life? of the lives of the people and communities whom you love and care for? Do you long for rest 
in God's presence. The psalm encourages a longing to dwell in God's presence. Now, dwelling is different than making a temporary visit. Dwelling is about making a home, being at home. It's about finding your place, settling down in God's presence. When I travel somewhere, I don't unpack my bags unless I'm going to be there a while. But I can tell you that when I'm in a place where I'm going to be there long enough to unpack my bags, it's the first thing I do because it makes all the difference. It's like my mind and my body can relax because they trust that we're going to be there long enough to rest a little. That is the longing of this psalm, to know that you can settle in, you can let down your guard, you can rest in God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. The one who dwells in God's temple is blessed because they are welcomed and enveloped by the generous hospitality of God, the security of God's presence, and the life of worship. Later on, the psalmist uses poetic comparisons, some language of hyperbole, to show how much better even a little bit of God's presence is to the alternative. Even one day in the courts of God is better than a thousand days anyplace else. Even to be a doorkeeper, to stand merely at the threshold of God's house, that's enough. So if you look at the structure of this psalm, there's a kind of sandwich of themes. A lot of times in these kinds of rhetoric or poetic writings, you'll find these sorts of sandwiches of themes, and the thing in the middle is often what you are especially invited to pay attention to. So in this psalm, we have, uh, we have here how, uh, how blessed it is to dwell in, the, in God's house. And then below, we have how being present in God's house, even for one day, even just at the door, is better than spending a thousand days anyplace else. But in the middle, we have a declaration of the blessedness of those who are not present in the house of God. In the middle of the psalm, we find a second declaration of blessedness. Blessed is the one whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. It is not only a blessing to dwell in the temple. Yes, the psalmist longs to actually be the one dwelling at the temple, to be present there. But even those who aren't or can't be at the temple still experience blessing when their heart is set on the journey towards God's dwelling place. I started today by sharing that image of overflowing abundant water that resonated with me because it was so not what the reality of my life and my soul felt like. But it was an image that reminded me of what I desired. A bit later, maybe about six months after this trip, I was talking with my spiritual director about how deeply I longed for space and time to meet with God. I longed for new rhythms and practices that could fit within the actual reality of my life with a young child. And I talked about how frustrated and resentful I felt that the logistics and sometimes the finances of getting that space and time felt like just huge barriers. And I remember my spiritual director very wisely suggested that 
Although there would likely be a time and a place for me to learn and implement new practical rhythms, spiritual rhythms, or find solutions to the barriers that I was encountering, she suggested that maybe for a little while, the invitation for me was to simply be present to my longing for God, be present to my longing for time and space to be with God, and to let that longing become my prayer. Instead of letting it become resentment and frustration, or thinking that I was lacking something by not at that moment having the spiritual rhythms that I'd had in previous years, she encouraged me to live with an ongoing prayer of longing for God. What makes it challenging for you to be present with your longing for God, to let it be your ongoing prayer? It sounds like a simple thing, but it's not easy. It's kind of uncomfortable to sit with longing. It's much easier, for, at least for me, I, I know it's much easier for myself to be, to be distracted, let myself be distracted by to-do lists or mindless scrolling. Longing is vulnerable, and so it often feels safer for me to turn to frustration or anger or guilt about not already having what I need or want from God. Or it's easier for me to redirect my longings into something that's a little bit easier to get, but not ultimately satisfying. What I love about Psalm 84 is that it's not merely a psalm about how delightful it is to be where God dwells, to have arrived there. It is a psalm of movement, a psalm of journeying to God's presence. It teaches us how to long for God in a way that moves us toward and into God's presence. Psalm 84 is believed to have been used as a song of pilgrimage to accompany faithful Jewish worshipers making the journey to the temple in Jerusalem. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So in the years before COVID, part of my work with InterVarsity's Ministry to Study Abroad students at the time involved leading spiritual pilgrimage spring break programs for, for them. And I became deeply interested in the spiritual tradition and practice of pilgrimage, of spiritual journeying. Throughout the story of scripture, God often does significant transformative work in people while they are on journeys. When God gathers the people of Israel from captivity in Egypt, he liberates them from their place of enslavement, he rescues them, but then God leads them on a long wandering journey in the desert a kind of pilgrimage, and that journey becomes the place where they learn the character of their God and they move into their identity as God's people. One of the things I love about the practice of pilgrimage is that it lets me embody the journey toward God. I literally walk out the truth that the spiritual life is not meant to stay stagnant or stuck. It's an invitation to journey forward and deeper into God's presence and love. And as I literally walk out that journey, God shapes and forms something in me. The practice of pilgrimage offers a full-body expression of faith. But even when we aren't you know, traveling somewhere or making a pilgrimage to a specific sacred destination, I think that we can learn to set our hearts on pilgrimage through those kinds of embodied prayer practices. For me, one of my favorite ways to pray these days is to go for a walk 
and take on that posture of moving toward God, to walk and stay present to whatever longing or question or prayer that I have, and to pay attention to God's presence with me as I move toward God. And there's something about that physically moving that helps me, helps me actually inwardly move toward God. Psalm 84 shows us the joy of having a heart that is oriented toward journeying to God, the blessing of pushing through one's longing to move toward God, not that it is always easy. The psalmist says that on pilgrimage to the temple, they pass through the valley of Baca. Baca is a word for a kind of tree or bush that grows in arid, dry settings. But the word baka also sounds the same as the Hebrew word for weeping. So we have here play on words to evoke a valley of dryness and weeping. Yet when going through that dry valley of weeping, for the one whose heart is set on the journey to God, there is hope. The dry valley becomes a place of springs. God showers autumn rains, making pools in the valley. Noticed the psalmist speaks of autumn rains, not spring rains. Autumn rains aren't immediately followed by blossoming flowers, but autumn rains soften the hard ground so that it can be planted and tilled, prepared. Autumn rains hold the promise of land that will make it through the winter season and be ready and prepared to birth new life in the spring. This was the hope and promise that I needed to hold on to that day as I walked along the waterfalls and springs of the Plitvici lakes and for that season that followed. The promise of hope after a dry season. Blessed is the one whose heart is set on pilgrimage. In Hebrew, the word that is translated here as pilgrimage is actually a word for highway. At that time, um, at that time, the, a highway would have been an elevated road that you, that, would, uh, that you would travel on to get between, for, for travel, for commerce, to get between major cities. So the way of God is like a well-traveled highway. We journey toward God, even, or especially when we walk through the valleys of Baca, when we when we do that, we follow in the footsteps of many who have made that journey before us, many who are making it alongside us. We can learn from and be spurred on by fellow travelers. In fact, this Psalm 84, this itself can become a highway for us, a well-traveled path of prayer that moves us to God's presence. You see, even as the psalmist is consumed with longing and love for God's house, the place where God dwells is not hard to access. The psalmist knew that, and for us, even as we are invited to long for and journey towards God's presence, we see in scripture that God is eager to come and dwell with us. John 1.14 tells us, that the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In Jesus, we find the ultimate picture of the God who is eager to move toward us, to dwell with us. And in the letters of the Corinthians, we are told that we, 
The people of Christ are the new temple of the living God. Our bodies are the place where the Spirit of God dwells. Our journey into God's presence is a journey of awareness and attentiveness to the presence of Christ with us. As we, as we learn to long for God, we are also invited to pay attention to God's loving presence already with us. And it doesn't have to start with a grandiose gesture of a pilgrimage. Maybe this week you could start with a few practices, even small things, that help wake you up to the reality of the nearness of God's presence. For example, maybe as you drink your morning coffee or tea, just take a moment, draw your attention to God, saying to yourself, God, you are here. You are as real as and present as this cup of coffee that I'm drinking. Help me rest in your presence today. So let us make Psalm 84 our prayer and our teacher. Lord Almighty, blessed are those who dwell in your house. What is your invitation to dwell, to rest, and be at home in God's presence this week? Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What is your invitation to move you from a place of stagnation or stuckness in your longing toward God? Blessed are those who trust in the generous hospitality of the God who receives us and the God who dwells with us. Amen.